You're tuned in to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to part two of our four-part series on Brian Brooms, Punch Me Up to the Gods. We're joined back with our special guest, Derek Heck. Enjoy. Because the whole book is is an exposition on like what identity means and like, what is the identity that you're supposed to form and how that development goes into play? So, like, you're a black, you're a boy, you're a male, you're black. So, black men do this. You can't talk a certain way. You can't be too smart. You have to be, you have to have a certain type of physicality. You have to do this, 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 and this in order to fit into this mold. Because, I don't know, throughout this book, I was thinking about, um like, Chris Wilson's um, ISIS papers and how she talks about, like, how Western civilization has these five categories of, like, a... Uh, of um i guess identity so you're either the man the woman the boy the girl or the baby and if you can't be one of these other things you try to find refuge in others so like if you're a man if you're a black male and the only man in the society is identified as the white male then you have to take on one of the other identities you either become a baby a woman a girl a boy but never a man Man who calls another man the man. Calls the woman he sleeps with mama. Calls himself baby. Calls the place where he sleeps a crib. A baby compared to a man is what? Powerless. And so like what I was seeing with um, throughout the author's stories, like he's always trying to find a way to where he can fit in. So like, although he's not trying to be one of those other four categories, he tries to find something else. So let me be the gesture. Let me be the black guy that everybody likes. And I'm so fucking, um, everybody's so enamored with me and my dancing and my comedy and just how great I am. Let me take on that identity so that you don't attack my other identity, which is a, a black man who's gay, who or same gender loving, whatever you want to take it. And intelligent, somewhat intelligent. Like it's that this whole this whole book was about like a story to try to find like a, a place that you fit in. And okay, he has his identity of being gay, but he's gay and black. So how gay black men rock ain't quite the same way as gay white men. These gay black men want to love you for like just being like you know you a guy, but these black gay black white men want you because you the black man dingo. You gonna fuck me? Till I pass out, you can do all this shit. You got all this stuff to get that I have in mind of what a black person is supposed That's to be. Because that I was thinking this about when they were saying an exposition of trying to navigate what people want me to be or what I'm supposed to be in a category, as, as opposed to like what I actually am and like, can I accept who I am? Can I read this one thing? And I don't want to take over, but it, it, yeah, sure, sure, you can do whatever you want. Thank you, Donovan. <laughs> No, no, it's not a lip bar, but this is something that I wanted to say to the point, to that point. Uh, and, and he was comparing like his dysfunctional household. He said, but 
He said, so I changed the way he was talking about watching uh, white people on TV, yeah. right, as a kid. He said, so I changed the way I spoke to mimic the characters on television. I concealed every part of myself that I deemed to be too black because my life until then has showed me that white wasn't just a race. It was, it was a, goal. a goal. And at 15 years old, I'd have decided this was the goal I wanted to achieve. That was cool. I was reading this and I was like, yo, this is so sad for me. It's so sad that you had to grow up like that. It's so sad that you had to grow up in a house and a poor black. It was pretty much an arranged marriage between his mom and his dad. You know what I mean? And his mom did not love his dad at all. She said he couldn't even hold a conversation. Not exactly arranged. Hey, hey, hold on. I've been meaning to ask somebody this question. Did he say that his mama got pregnant by another dude, came home and tricked the other yes. dude into... She didn't trick him. She didn't trick him. I, I know that you that. would like to think that, Harvey, oh, that there was some that. trickery. Did that man yes. do that walk? walk. Yes. That man yes. do that walk. That man didn't know that walk. Yes, he did. So this is what happened, right? His mother was pretty much out. Left her hometown. She was out having a hot girl summer in Lambertown. Oh my day, God! Day, Here we go. She was in Dayton, Ohio, Here we go. having a hot girl summer, living her life. Yeah. Fun, a Woo! Of, in Dayton. Okay. Yes. Dayton was popping back then. It wasn't that popping. Be quiet, poppin'. Teresa. Let the boy tell the story. Hot girl summer. Keep going. Uh, of course. Summer. I'm. I'm. I, I can't. I. I can't. So. So nevertheless, she having a hot girl summer, and then uh, she ends up getting pregnant. So she has to move back home. The guy she got pregnant by, obviously, didn't want nothing to do with her. She moves back home, and then this arranged marriage happens from her mother, a couple other women from the city. You know, hey, this guy has a good job in a steel mill, can't provide for you. It may not be that attractive, but you will grow to love him over time. And that's pretty much what happens. Isn't how all marriages work? Uh-uh. Isn't our own marriages about finances and whether or not we can grow together? Absolutely. What's about to say? I don't know about to say love. And- I, I might be crazy, Girl, but uh, yeah. Love is about... No. Love is about economics. It's, it should be at some point. It should be at some point. That's what it's about. And then... Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I think the mother also kind of despised the husband as well, too, man. Because like she made a comment in the book, she was like, she felt like she was above Kinda. him in all different levels. I okay, I, you know, I, I, I realize that the that we like have that these dude. different views because some she of us that. are male and some of us are female. But come on, y'all, the the, the lady, I think that. You know, she went off. I'm not going to say she had a hot girl summer, but she did get away from where she was. She thought that she was going to have this relationship, but the dude didn't do. I mean, you know, y'all know how that works. I, I don't know too many. I don't have friends who do that. But, you know, again, I want to get I want to hear you get to this point where this brother knew he was marrying a pregnant. He knew. Help me understand that. Help because me, I, I don't believe that. Yes. And let me tell you what else happened in the story, because he also had he had this in his gut of this other boy that's in my home that is so popular. He's so athletic. He's so everything is not my child. And then here's this daughter. You know, she's doing pretty good. I finally get a son, and this is what I get. But not only that, but not only that, he knew 
And he also took a little bit of that responsibility and guilt. He thought that he was protecting him. He thought he was going to knock some sense into him because that's what a lot of black parents think. If I hit you hard enough, I'm going to knock some sense into you. But what if he kept his job, though, Teresa? We'll say that. But but, I mean, I don't know. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Because let's not forget that he had this uncle that was gay. That was his father's brother. Who they killed. And that's what he was trying to keep him safe from. Oh, we do true. a lot of things. I, I I can't say it's always right. My mother said things to me that now, and even sometimes then, I knew better. I would be like, this lady is lying, but I'm going to let her think that she has me with this. But there were things that she was telling me that she thought was keeping me safe. Y'all, can y'all believe that my mother told me that you get pregnant by kissing and she thought that I could believe that? Exactly. You don't want you to be an outcast. You bring something back home. But as parents, we do these things to our children and it sometimes causes some trauma with it because. What is it about? Being a parent that doesn't make you want to be completely truthful with your kids. Like, why not tell the whole truth instead of being like, I'm going to tell you that you're going to fuck. If you fuck, you're going to get pregnant. So that's too hard for me. If you quit, you're going to get pregnant. Like, what is it about being a parent that makes it hard to have those conversations? Because about we know ourselves. You want to keep your kids safe from. Well, you know you're the maid. So what's the, what's the difficulty? You know you know what you are. Your kids are all of that. And more resources. With a little what, bit extra. I, what I'm saying is like, so... I'll often, if I'm if I'm giving a talk or doing a, a professional development with teachers, I ask them about being parents or had they, did they have a parent? Did they have a caregiver or somebody that they, they knew absolutely that they loved them? And everybody in the room, 100% every time they're going to raise their hand. Somebody took care of them in some way. And I was like, well, was that person's practices, were they perfect? Of course not. And so a lot of teachers tell me, you know, I don't need this because I love all my students. It got nothing to do with what you love. It's about practices. And so love can be a point of beginning, but if your practices are not ever nuanced and challenged and, and, and improved, you're going to pass down that trauma. Like the dad was, quote unquote, loved, he, I can say he loved his son with terrible practices. And we often, we're all probably product of some loving relationships with a, some bad practices that we have to un, that we have to keep up. Amen. Our lives. But I'll, if his dad would have stayed at that job, and that EOC program would have had a workshop on equity and fairness and microaggressions and intersections. And his ass can talk like that at work. In time, he would have came home and loved his son. The man was unemployed and miserable. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But that's why he didn't leave his job. His exactly. Job he didn't think to look, look for another fucking job. Well, he's sorry ass man of my eyes because bitch. No, not in this town. Not this is Gary, Gary a... Indiana slash Michigan slash. It was all of that. These are all these towns. You don't like you think he checked out Donovan? Find another. Yeah, he's so leave. Wow. He did. Okay. He checked out and gave up on himself because he was yeah. dude was homeless. Yeah. Dude was squatting in the neighborhood. He ain't never That's tried to get another else. story to inside of this Fuck one that. book. Depression is that real, Donovan. Is a part of this whole exactly. experience. How I mean, 
many men do you know that lost their job and lost their entire identity and lost their will to live because this toxic masculinity makes a man's worth about what he provides financially. So how is that toxic? Teresa, Um, it's toxic. Yeah, because there are so many forms of currency. You know, if I go to work every day and I'm working all day long and I'm doing as a female, I guess I should say that. And I am I'm doing this. I'm the breadwinner. And if my husband stays at home and keeps the children and cooks dinner, then that is the currency that he is providing. That does not mean that he has lost any worth because he is performing currency. But he has to have that currency. You got to listen. Well, the currency isn't legitimate in all society because it's not just. A micro thing. It's macro. Like how how is society also looking at this man? And then this man also has to like reflect on like how am I being viewed by society? Because everything is also always going to be like a looked and reflect. I'm going to look out at myself, but I'm also going to reflect on how people see me. Like that's always a constant dance we're always going through. Is everybody like how does my job see me? How does my spouse see me? That kind of falls back into self esteem. Myself. Are these things? What am I going to change? Back to Teresa's point, as far as like the currency, she was saying because the guy lost his job, he could view well view other parts of his lifestyle as far as a, a currency to the household. Um, as a African American male, for the most part, I think that like we're just born and bred to, to be to, in society views us to be able to be able to be a, a great provider. Um, to show provision, understanding. The definition of a man was to never cry. Work till you're tired. Got to provide. Always be the rock for my fam. Protect them by all means. So, being a guy, his father worked at that company for so long that all he knew was that that was his whole identity. Not saying it's right or wrong to pour that much time and effort into one thing but he had no other outside things that he liked to do all he did was work come home and to brian's point of view pretty much beat up on brian for the most part that showed his range and he didn't have much of a range right our manhood is trapped inside of our adequateness when we don't feel adequate anymore we look to stand on something and anything to make us feel worthy yeah. So, Walt, when you use that word provide, I think now in 2022, that word provide makes it a little toxic and it can be stressful. And one thing that I've noticed, we went to church on Sunday. A lot of men, black men, we thrive when we start making something out of our ideas and our thoughts. And I think a lot of black men are very creative, but there's no space to let their creativity thrive. So we never find a landing spot. So we don't feel adequate because we're not providing because that word provide has thrown out, but you can provide and provide like Teresa said, does not have to be attached to anything monetary. You can still feel adequate by making yourself adequate. You don't make yourself adequate, adequate by sitting on the couch and trying to verbally beat somebody up and putting them down, you make the, yourself adequate by getting up, painting the house, watching the kids, walking them to school, helping them with their homework. You have to pivot. You have to be diverse. You have to use your creativity. 
all men aren't providers, but it does not make you less than a man. We have to stop going off this imaginative idea of what we think manhood is. Harvey made a point when he was talking about homosexuality and relegating it to sex. Yeah, we're going to go back to that. Because Derek is a man. Don't get it twisted. Ain't nothing not manly about my line, brother. Just because he gay don't mean he ain't a man. I learned that through Derek. When Derek told me he was gay, I was like, he's still a man. Tell he all, I mean, he, he's all man, right? And so we have to understand that uh, all these ideas, you have to realize that the people who came up with these imaginative ideas are people who never really seen a man in their house anyway. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. A lot of men who was raised by their mother is going around telling young men what a man supposed to be, and they don't have a real example of a man. So we it's all distorted. Women. So we need to just <laughs> we need to clean the slate, remove some uh, words from our vocabulary when we talk about what a man supposed to do and what a man not supposed to do. What a man, man is supposed to be adequate. Listen. A man supposed to have self esteem. A man is not supposed to suppress his emotions. We're supposed to be able to control our emotions. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to say uh, uh, just one or two things. You know, when you say, like, like Lenny and I, like iron sharpens iron. Like we will have a conversation, we'll go through, and, and I see the push, like trying to pivot from like what does a provider mean, but it might mean for all of us unpacking and like the idea about why has the definition been so narrow. So that means if you narrow the definition, only a few people can get through that gate, and if I keep a lot of people getting through that gate and happen to start looking black, start looking brown. Then I realized, damn, the problem ain't the, um, the people who can't get in is the whoever created the gate and made it so narrow. And what and, and how how does keeping it that way serve them on the other side? And so that that's what I think about. Um, and so provider can mean lots of things. It could be emotional provision. It could be um, whatever kind of support somebody might need. And this idea of provision or contribution to the to the family you're trying to create, like let's kind of. Like moving from provision to a contribution and what's your contribution to what we're trying to build together. And, it, and I think that leaves room for a lot of conversation and a lot of different avenues to be a contributor versus saying, like, I got to be the lead dominant person in, in, in that space. Um, the other thing I, I'll say really quickly is like this idea of we're, t- we're, we're told to not show emotion. And then, then we move advance that and say, well, don't be controlled by them. But I want to now nourish that. Like we need to learn to navigate our emotions. So like moving from controlling them to navigating them, which means, and I, I think about things in three, my, my, my three R's, you have to recognize something, you have to reckon with the implications, or you'll never reconcile. And if you don't recognize that stuff is and that it exists, you'll never reckon with the implications of it, and you'll never move from reckoning to reconciling what all those things mean. And so if you don't start at the very beginning with the recognition, you're never going to get the reconciliation. And so I, I believe through anything, I think Harvey need somebody that's going to work with him to go from R to R to R so that he can unpack this trauma uh, in, his, in a safe space. And I think we all need somebody who's going to do that with us um, and kind of co-create answers and not be like, well, I got the answer. Like we're going to co-create what the answers mean. And you got to leave room for that because it's all going to be different depending on the context and, and, and the person. So uh, I, I just want to move us forward from controlling emotions to learning how to navigate them. Um, and I think we'll do better that way. I, I will add to um, another R because because 
you know, responsibility. Because Lennon, mm. I teach my daughter don't let them emotions run her. So I don't think it's a man thing, right? I think a responsible person learns how to navigate their emotions. I think we framed, we talk about what's a man, we talk about women all the time. You know, when we, when we, when we write that list of what's a man, they, but they, they like a woman. <laughs> well, uh, exactly. But time. that is, but that has been relegated to women. I mean, the the whole word hysteria comes from, uh, if, from women. It comes from the womb and hysterectomy. It's all you know, very male dominated because it has been put into our, you know, psyche that women are the are emotional creatures and that. If you are emotional, you are acting like a woman. So, which is bad, I mean, I you know. But that's women. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's what's been put yeah, that's, out that's into white man shit, man. I mean, society. I've been, I've been dealing with. I mean, that's just you know, it's unfortunate. Like bad. all. No, 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 absolutely. Yes, no, are. no, no, no. All, that's the point, right? Like historically. And I'm, I'm going to take a woman over a man when it comes to up. controlling yes, their emotions unless it has to do with a man. Too. So, hey. The women are killers. We, we, uh, every, every war being fought right now is because a, a white man is, is mad. Uh, <laughs> and a white man is a very, very emotional. Um, very, but this idea about who does what, and, and I'm gonna—I don't know if this is a stretch or not. I mean, but this whole idea of, no wars, of your identity being tied into the position you currently hold, with this an job emotional man. And for me, that—that—that's how we are where we are with politics, with churches. The pastor won't leave. Um, you got James Clyburn; he won't leave. You got Nancy Pelosi; they won't leave. You know, it's like because they're tied up into their identity, and they haven't thought that when I leave. Am I going to be a dinosaur or am I going to transition this power into some other purpose? So they hold on to these spots and they all get in their facelifts and hair dyed and they won't let it go. They're trying to look like they that are still top, relevant. That face be stuck. I mean, I don't think Joe Biden can still. <laughs> I don't think Joe Biden can still. They can't get no more facelifts. But, they, but they're tied to that spot. And so we don't. And think about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who because nobody could have and should have retired before. Company. You know, so that President Obama could have had another chance, a real shot at putting another person in. But she wanted to hold on. She gonna hold on to. I mean, like that that kind of stuff is 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 that's what makes it toxic because it's killing the people in the wake of your decision. To me, that's what makes it toxic. I think we all hold on to what is familiar and wherever the area in which we get the most claps at. You look at like former athletes. You know, like NBA basketball players or NFL football sure. players. They hold on to this pipe dream of playing football for all these years, and then they got to find a new identity once that career comes to an actual end. Like, who am I as a person? Uh, I was listening to a, a podcast a couple of months ago, and the guy was talking about how, like, when he retired, he had to figure out, like, who was I as a dad? Who was I as a father? Who was I as a as a person? And I really, I vibed with what you said because I played in the NFL. And I came out of the NFL in my late 20s going, what the fuck do I have to show for my whole life? You know, I had this dream of reach, making this goal, of achieving this thing. I did it. I was successful. And then it didn't bring me everything I thought it would, you know. And then I looked back and I was like, man, I never got to be a kid. I was never, I had the experience of a normal 21 year old. 
you know. And now I have a seven-year-old daughter and all of this, you know, grown man life responsibilities that I wasn't equipped for at all, you know. <laughs> People, when I, I went, I was just a straight line, man, from high school to college into the NFL and people were taking care of shit all along the way, and I didn't have to learn a fucking thing about how to function in a regular society. Oh, man. You know? I came out of it totally devastated. Yeah. You know? And I had no idea who I was or what I was supposed to do with my life. And slowly but surely, I got in touch with the shit that is at the center of my core essence of who I am, my spirit in this world, the shit that looks out of this body, which is fucking weird, right? You know, we've become, it's all about making money and materiality and... Yeah, so, yeah, who, who am I? So, like, do I like to read? Do I like to write? Do I like podcasts? And you just got to figure out who you are. But for some people, that is a scary sight to figure out who they are because they, they're going into a brand new arena where the claps are less and not plentiful. Well, I mean, I think that's just like a constant quest for everybody. Like identity is always the thing. Like, who are you? Who are you and who are you becoming? And for some people, that question's easier. If you're like straight and white, you've already got the answers laid out for you. You act like this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And if you're like you rap, and gay you or just rap. one of those other things, <laughs> if you don't do any of those other things, then that's that's where the angst comes about. Like, you black, but you can't play basketball? You can't dance? Are you really black? You say you a man, but you like other men. You like doing this other stuff. Are you really a man? And then it's like, when you have these questions come into play, then that's when that angst comes about. And that angst can either cause you to generate a beautiful piece of creative work, or it could cause you to self-deprecate and collapse. So I think everybody's kind of always going through that. It's just that some certain groups, certain, certain identities are more affirmed than others. So if you're not this, then what are you going to be? And also, are you okay being that other thing? That's also the other part. Right. Like, if you're not a man who ain't that so. fucking all the hoes, getting all the money, ain't that doing so. all this shit, then what are you? Because that's what's needed to be. And I know what I am, but I don't want to be that. So let me show you something else so that I'm not attacked. And then so you that have I those who pretend to be that, and they're not that space at of, all. Um, those, those are the toxic ones. I remember being online. And the bro, this one bro used to ask me repeatedly or, or say in my ear, man, you bet not be gay, dude. Not be gay, dude. And the bros would ask me, bro would ask me, and my response was trying not to lie, like, man, that's bullshit. Now, in my brain, it's a bullshit question, but it also satisfies the answer. Mm -hmm. You need to hear that's bullshit. And I used it for what I needed it for, and you heard it for what you needed it for. And we just had a, like this, this, Everybody used it for what it was, right? And so, hey, I'm quick question. Hold up, hold up. I, I want to lose this thought. Uh, hey, Derek. Hey, hey, Derek. Quick question. How, how did that make you feel when you had to deny that you were gay in that, well, in that moment or any any other moments? Like, well, for for years during that time, I was trying to pray the gay away. I would have relationships and mm -hmm. like, let me. I, I can do this. I I can beat it. Like all those things were going through my head. Yeah. With some of the baddest women at FAMU. Jesus Christ. 
I, 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 I don't know why I'm laughing now. That shit hard. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing now. Dog, Darius to have some stars. It's just hilarious to me. Yeah, so well, it was, you know, you 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 <laughs> never want to like. I I think about lying in the sense like you should lie for, uh, like surprise birthday parties or shit like that. Or you, yeah, like, or, like trying to protect your protect your life. Like it's some, and that's one of the lies. I'm like I I don't I hate this. Um, there have right. been times where I wanted to tell Lenny a long time ago, and then we just didn't talk. It's like rather than broach the subject, I kind of just I was distant. Um, one of the bros asked me to perform just his ceremony at his wedding. I didn't know where he stood. So I just kind of, I used the idea that I was busy and I was busy, but I could have made time, but I didn't make time. So I was, mm-hmm. I was leaving spaces that I would have traditionally probably been in, uh, because I, I didn't want the question to come up and I didn't want to offer what wasn't the truth. And so I just, I avoided a lot of, a lot of those spaces, um, quite often. And even when I was in education at the like K-12 level, I remember I started a group this group of, um, was mentoring a couple students, a couple guys. And they wanted to start a whole class. Did the whole class, and there was a set of twins in there. Well, one wasn't, one wasn't. And they didn't want to let the other twin in. But even then, because by law in Pennsylvania, you could get fired for just being gay. No cause. Like That's like still in the books up until maybe recent couple years. So you always, you know, you want to share, but then what does sharing mean for you in the real in the real marketplace? And so I, I became an advocate. And the class was called Motivated Men. They were like, oh, he can't be in here. I was like, why can't he be in here? Oh, Mr. Head, you know why he can't be in here. He ain't no real man. I said, okay. He shows up to campus every day knowing that you're going to call him a punk, faggot, something outside of his name. Or, and he shows up every day. He doesn't shrink. He's involved in student government. He's involved in this club and that club. So he's showing up every day knowing you're going to be the same people to him every day. What about your... With pink draws. With whatever, well, come on, man. But whatever he said was, it was like a man who, who takes their responsibility, who who faces right. fear. I was like, he's facing this every day. And then, so yeah. I, I... Straight I, up. And rather, than, Straight rather up. than say, and so is your teacher, I became an advocate in that space and, because I wasn't ready to reveal my own hand. So it's like... Derek. Right. Yeah. You made me become that guy. The advocate... Before, yeah, to be that advocate, to be able to be able to even think about like what is this person going through and everything that they're navigating to even get here. Yeah. Knowing that what you're saying about them. Now I've become that guy. I'm like to the best of his ability. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but he's human, Teresa. He's human. He's human. Hey, gotta, gotta thank you, Donovan. Thank you, Donovan. Donovan, Don, Donovan has grace for me. To the end of the days, it's Donovan. It's a balance, Reese. It's a balance. You got to <laughs> learn to walk away, and you got you got a big ass yard. You just go take a deep breath out there. Just be ready. I've been reprogrammed to even think that way by yeah. having you as my lion brother, and that's the beautiful thing about it. I wanted to broach this and speak to you and give you a story, Walter on Derek and when you asked him that question about you know how did that feel to be online and all that right so Walter you know how I am I'm one of them friends I'm not a surface friend so I was very observant of my line brother Derek I had no idea where it was coming from right didn't have an inclination I was never presented with it I was never really close to anybody that we had conversations about it I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was something else. 
And I remember uh, pulling Derek to the side on our tenure, and I said, bro, why are you everything to everybody, but not anything to yourself? Like, you are overachiever. We crossed 10 years ago, and you've been very, very... I said, Derek, you'll give people the shirt off your back. You'll give somebody your car and need a ride. You were everything. Then I started asking about his girlfriend. He was dating this lady, this girl who was on TV. She was a news anchor. a news anchor, a local news anchor, right? When I say stars, Walt, I mean stars. You hear me, Walt? Flowers. Anyway, anyway Flowers. with Derek, I felt that, I, I mean, as we talked about it over the years, because it was a big kerfuffle. But anyway, but Derek said I was asking too many intrusive questions and I was getting too close. And my friend withdrew from me. Yeah. The most important thing to him at that time was to keep his cover. Because when you're passing, one of the rules of passing is to sequester yourself from your family and the people who know you. You don't blow your cover at any cost. That means if you have to lose some people along the way, so be it. Because your cover is the most paramount thing in your life. You understand, Walt? You see how deep that is? And it covers your safety. It, it's not even just your safety. Everything that you built up until then. I when, when I opened up this podcast, I told you who Derek Keck was. He was our, his second year at FAMU, he was our vice SGA president. He became our SGA president. Jed Bush knew him by first name. You know what I mean? He had built up this character passing as a straight, heteronormal male. He didn't want to blow that. You know what I mean? So we have to understand there's levels to this. So when we when we read this book on Brian Broom, Brian Broom was what's not even close to Derek's level. We give it, Brian Broom is giving you his life on a smaller scale. And imagine, think about all that stuff that he had to go through. How when he was on the bus, that transgender dude knew him and he knew that he was in the community. And he pretty much said, fuck you too, because you didn't take up for me because he couldn't take up for his friend because he didn't want to blow his cover. Let me, let me, let me real, real quick. Now, not real quick. I was he only his ass beat. That's what he didn't want. He didn't care about getting his cover. Safety. Well, it doesn't matter. I was at home this past Christmas and I was out, you know, from a small town and what you do at the end of the night, you go by the old club in the hood and you stand outside and whatever. That's what, you know, in the country, that's what you do. So I'm there with my brother and one of my classmates and these two trans women walk by and I'm just shocked that I see trans women in, you know, Brunswick, Georgia. This is the hometown of Ahmaud Aubrey. It's a lot of stuff, race, class, all this stuff is like, in, in it's popping off back in my hometown. And so these two trans women walk by and then my classmate says, don't get caught up here. Them, they was our Decepticons. And I was like, this must be <laughs> Called him Decepticon. And I was like, it was, and, and to be honest, he asked me if he could invest in my company. I was doing a, a friends and family fundraise. I didn't invite him. I, I, I didn't want that energy in the space. I didn't like. I was like, you know what? I, I can't even give you this opportunity to come, come, uh, come uh, make some money with me. But you know what? You got to call a spade a spade and you got to know who you're dealing with. You know who is who. 
You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's head. All right, so look, quick question. So because the guy was saying his true feelings about the situation, you decided to not let him be involved in the donation? I decided not to follow up with him. Like, I told him I was going to do it. He was like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm interested, yada, yada, yada. And then I've done that a couple of times. I, I mean, there was one bruh who invested in the, the first food company. And mm-hmm. then we were at a restaurant in Pittsburgh and uh, two women came in and apparently he deduced that they were together. He was like, look at what gentrification bought now. Like, I mean, he was just, <laughs> I mean, he just, it's like <laughs> every time I get around this, and he's a bruh, every time I get around this bruh, it's not, part of me. Now, that's a little bit different. But the first one, look, see, I guess I speak black folks. He was just trying to make sure that you didn't get caught up. No. See, he thought he was looking out for you to make sure that you knew what you saw you know what? and that's that you didn't I see. That's, that's how I took it too, as well. That's just that's one of the things that I heard. That's how I took it too, Teresa. It wasn't the one and done. Again, I still, I always say you got to have grace and growth. It wasn't the one and done. Um, but it's just like you keep hearing things like that over and over. I was like, yeah, okay, now now we're at this point. But well, you, you said, how does it feel? And then that's more, that's like a, you know, I can laugh. We can joke about that story. Like, how does it feel to deny yourself and not do that? Um, there's stuff that I'm still unpacking. I, I mean, I'm in therapy. Yeah. Every Wednesday, I go to therapy uh, and chat about this kind of stuff. And I, I haven't, I, I told my parents, um, mm-hmm. I haven't told one of my brothers. Because uh, I think, like, because of where he is in the world, I think he's not. I think he would use it as weaponry in our family dynamic. Well, you know, this podcast has over a million viewers well, across okay the country, so therefore, okay uh, like, you know, and so I'm like, man, y'all, y'all get ready to listen to the podcast yeah, while his brother ain't listening to podcast. In Georgia, ain't listening to damn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he mad at me. His ass is out there in that damn store wall in front of that club at night. He listens to the damn podcast. It's challenging. I'm watching TV with my parents and um, more, my mom and my brother. And we're watching yeah. a cooking show, a competition cooking show. And they said, well, what, what are you going to do if you win? And this woman said, well, if I win, me and my wife haven't yet gone on a, a vacation or honeymoon. So I'm taking my wife on a honeymoon. And, he, and th- at this point, my mom knows. But my brother, the one who now knows, he he didn't know. He, so he said, they just put anything on TV. And here come I watching my mom becoming the, the, uh, the support. She's like, let them people be, you know, it's like, she's trying to do her part now because she knows. But at first I saw her eyes get big, like, Oh, this is what you've been trying to say that people have always had an opinion on it. And you've not mm-hmm. been able to respond. And so for yeah. her, don't attack my baby. If she, now she wants to, mm-hmm. but she didn't, say, she didn't say that it was about me. She just said it in general, you know? So it's still like, we're still navigating that as well. And one of the pride and joys that I have in going home is that my high school and middle school niece and nephew, always want me to pick them up we go when i go home that's my pride and joy and so when i think about the the attitude that my brother has that he's working through right now that's one that's like it's like the bros i mean they mean something that's a lot work means something that's a lot like this right here that we're still navigating this is this is what i'm probably most struggling with because if my niece and nephew and all of them adopt some of the attitudes of their parents like, what does that mean for how we now navigate? Like, that's a Interact, real thing. Right. That's like a current, you know, issue that that I'm that I'm I'm struggling with. Um, that's real. Yeah, that's it's just that's that's just where that's where I am. That's where I am, and so it's it's challenging. 
I think sometimes we have to take a step back, and I know it's very personal, but if you really just think about some of the things that we say as just people, we just talk, and a lot of times we don't even mean what we say. There are so many things, and as as far as even Lenny may have come, since we are using him as an example, you know, and he's talking about all the growth that he has had since just this information. And I've said it to him, you know, sometimes he'll say something. I'm like, oh, look at you all enlightened now, because, you know, maybe five years ago, you might have said something else. Stay woke. See what I'm saying? So, (laughs) you know, I think that there are a lot of things that we just say that we don't necessarily believe when we say it. Um, Even when we're watching television, just like what happens, like, oh, Lord, look what we got now. But we don't mean it in the sense of how we feel about people or how we actually care about how people live in their own homes. I think it's more of look at what everything is on television, you know, it, the the good, the bad, the ugly, everything is over-sexualized. Just like what, you know, Harvey said earlier, like, why is it that when we talk about homosexuality, the sexuality part is so large? Yeah. You know, why, why is it that, you know, when you say, oh, um, my friend is homosexual, and then people are like, oh, my son, you know, watch my son. You know, why? Why is that the case? If you bring your heterosexual friend over, you're not worried about your heterosexual friend hitting on your son. So I think it's just a lot of things that we're programmed to say that even though we said it, it doesn't mean what we think it means. And it's not going to be as hard as even you may think it's going to be. I look at this book and I say, it may not have, I mean, he has some hard times for sure, for sure, for sure. But, you know, just one time, if he had just looked inward and said to himself, you know, I am strong here. And I want to just maybe sit down and say to my mom, you know, I really appreciate you giving me that pink shirt. And that meant a lot for me. Let's open up a conversation and some dialogue. And she may have been able to come around and even be some type of advocate for him. You know, we all have to move in ways that are helpful to each other. That's good. Hey, let's pivot for a moment. What's funny about about his mom, we talked about, I said, how's your mom now? You know, it's part of our conversation. He said, he said, oh, she's excited. He said, oh, this gay shit paid. So like, <laughs> I told you, my baby, my baby, my baby, my rich, bitch. You know, you know what, baby, I can kind of get you. Right. Right. That, that's a that's a whole lot better than being heterosexual yeah. and broke. Yeah, I mean, this escalated you both. It's kind of nice. I was like, man, I, I, I get that because there's often times that I know if I were broke. And and gay, it'd be a whole like, oh, sorry, bro. You know, it'd be all kind of derogatory things. Cause like, Ooh. oh, you better go ask Uncle Dave for the extra money. Ask, like, is that kind that's of? That's what I'm saying. That, that's why I asked you that. That's why I framed that question like that there earlier. Cause I know, I know how our people are, and that doesn't take away from your parents, cause they're educated people and they're able to see progress. But if you wasn't about your shit, yeah, it'd be a problem. It'd yeah. be hard to deal with. But that just kind of goes <laughs> to show how intersectionality plays a part in mm-hmm. like all identities. Like, so Derek as a rich black man is different from Derek as a poor black man. Like he can't, he might not be, I, should, I won't say can't, he might not be able to navigate 
in spaces the same way because he doesn't have the same type of equity, social equity, um, social reverence as somebody. Because we look at poor people differently, we look at black people differently, we look at gay people differently, we look at people with vaginas differently. So, like being able to huh? navigate those. Yeah, you look at people with vaginas. Uh, that would be like women. Can't say women. Is that women? Because sometimes men have vaginas, Teresa. So you can't say women. Right. Yeah. That is true. People with the vagina. See, this attached. is the problem. And this is this is this is where this is where we get it all. This is where it all gets convoluted. You know, this is where it all gets convoluted. Vaginas, penis. Say more. Say more. I saw there we go. Well, people with vaginas don't always identify as women. This woman says women they said people who can produce babies. And the the guy said, You mean women? She said, No, I mean People who can produce babies. Babies. And she said, what, why, why can't you say women? He said, well, your comment is transphobic. If a trans man still has the organs that, re- that are reproductive, then that trans man can produce a baby. a baby. That happened. So, that happened. Yeah, so, Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, We it's, can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that there, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think. Women can get <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist, they- and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this, where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're question- a- opening up people to oh, violence? We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot just in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. Yep. But I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's still that baby's mother, though. I, 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 I just need. I, I. That's when I have to take mama. a moment. I, I just. I can't. <laughs> I don't care. It just all at that point is when I just say, hey, because again, I think that people should do whatever they want to do and they can be whatever they want to be. But when you have a man who says he's a woman in prison with women and he is getting them pregnant, Mm, mm, that's mm. an issue. And welcome to the Factor on Censored. Thanks for joining us tonight. We begin with a complicated issue in the New Jersey jail system. A transgender female inmate has been moved to a men's prison after impregnating two other biological female inmates. I say I'm a woman. I say I'm gay. 
I just like being a woman and I like women. But I say I was fucking gay. So I'm going to use this dick I got and these titties. I'm going to use this dick and these titties. <laughs> I, I was going back, you know, these. I think some of, some of the stuff that makes it um, allowable for us to talk about this is you can joke about stuff, but I think you don't have to be the caricature, right? Like, I don't want to be... Like I don't want to be like like the fat person. Always got to make the fat jokes first before people talk about them. And I never want to be the gay person who come in like every joke. I gotta like be self deprecating. Um, and I'm saying that as like as a this is funny to me when I was uh, when I was in undergrad, and I remember when I don't I mean he's famous now. I mean he doesn't care. He's out. Uh, and when Karamo was about to be on the Real World, y'all know Karamo. The he's on. A lot of popular shows now. And everybody kept saying to me, hey, Dad, did you hear the Karamo was going to come out in the real world? I was like, no, nah, I ain't hear that. I ain't hear that. For real? You mean you coming out? I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, uh, so that's, that's interesting. And then I kept hearing it, like, oh, Karamo coming out in the real world. I watched every episode <laughs> wow. of that because in undergrad, we were together. And nobody, nobody knew that, right? And so we the bras bookshelf exclusive. We kept that. Whoa! Uh, I told you, Derek had them stars. We kept, we kept that. Speaking <laughs> of books, one because he was trying to be Greek at the time and trying to be a class president and be stuff like that. So we held each other secret, like without sharing that. So when he decided he's going to come out on TV, I was like, I'll kill this nigga. I go, I go to I, wherever he is. I, I kill him. I kill him. I kill him. But. Uh, what he did was he said on the show that he didn't start exploring it until after, after college. And I was like, there you go. There you go. You did me a, a good service. There is a loyalty in the community to keep each other's secrets. Like if, you, if you're in the community and you hadn't came out, they're not going to out you. I, I don't really, I have an experience where people will you out you for guy. real, for real. You got to be a fucked up individual for somebody to be like, you know yeah, what? That's, that's not absolutely true. There's some, there's, so I always say either you're queer or you're queered. And so I, I add ED on the end of the word queer because it can be externally directed uh, because you can come out. That's a whole, that's a whole different psyche of owning that moment, having the power to do it. Or you could be what somebody uh, thinks is queer, and you can have your queering, queered, ED, externally directed. So I always say either you're queer or you're queered, um, because it's not always something you get to choose to do um, or decide when and and where it happens. That's deep, man. Thank you for listening. Remember to click subscribe, share with your friends, give us a five-star rating, and come back. Checking trouble, sure, moving down the line. I come up hopping, but that's okay, cause trouble.